0: How you doing, everybody? The, the Jack Cobbick Podcast Network. Network. Two Angry Men. A podcast featuring a legendary baseball player
1: and a legendary sports broadcaster. Two Angry Men. And now here's your hosts, Jack Cobbick and Denny McClain.
0: Two Angry Men. How you doing, everybody? Two Angry Men brought to you by my good friend John Coyne and the wonderful people at American Taxi. Chicago's premier suburban taxi service when it comes to comfort, courtesy, and especially when it comes to price. I'm joined by baseball's last 30-game winner. He won 31 back in 1968. Danny McClain up in uh, Motown. Yours truly, Chet Coppock, right here in Chicago. Um, who's in charge of writing Lawrence Taylor's uh, Man of the Year acceptance speech?
1: Boy, I tell you, this is one that uh, just kills me, and I'll tell you why it kills me. He's a good-looking guy. Forget all of the problems that uh, he's had and everybody else has in their life. But, man, I got news for you. You shouldn't be caught dead with a 16-year-old. I don't care what the circumstances are. I mean, he should have ran as fast as he could. The the uh, Listen to what he, Here's the worst part about it. He says, well, she came to my room, but we had no contact. Oh, we had no sex. My. Where the hell is he trying to kid? I mean, this guy is thinks we're all smoking the same poop that he was smoking for years. That's what I'm, that's what I'm having a problem with. I'm having trouble with his explanation. Then you got Tiger Woods' explanation. He comes up with the bad neck this weekend. Then this brings up Mike Tyson and Will Chamberlain. And Roethlisberger, of course, gets a little headline again. And, of course, Mr. Lucky of all time, Kobe Bryant. All of these guys violated a woman. There's no reason for it. They've got all the billions of dollars in the world, and they got they got to buy it. Lawrence Taylor's got to buy a couple of hookers. you got to be kidding.
0: You know, Danny, from that perspective, I was talking to uh, Lester Munson, the legal expert from uh, ESPN, about uh, Lawrence Taylor. And, you know, Lawrence's rap sheet just goes on forever. He is convinced that the government's witness against Lawrence Taylor is going to be the pimp who provided LT with the 16-year-old girl. And when you get right down to it, how many guys have skated the way Lawrence Taylor has skated over the years? For gosh sakes, his rap sheet begins in Birmingham, Michigan and ends in Savannah, Georgia.
1: Yeah, that's the incredible part about it. This rap sheet, you know, I, always, I joke about Roethlisberger going from Las Vegas, Nevada, with his rap sheet and bookings and things like that all the way to Georgia, but Lawrence Taylor's got the country surrounded. I mean, there isn't any state I don't think that he hasn't been in trouble in. The guy just doesn't get it. He is not entitled to take anybody he wants or take anything he wants. I don't get it. You know what? I, I wish it was a drug thing. I really do. I mean, it would be so much easier to digest but raping a little girl 16 i don't care if she said she was 39 much less 19 and she apparently never said she was that age but the bottom line is it's disgusting it's disgraceful we all have daughters and just to think that this scumbag lawrence taylor would even think about this is is beyond unbelievable i mean uh, I, i can't get over it
0: let me ask you a baseball question uh dallas Braden. Perfect game for the Oakland A's against uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, becomes uh, the pitcher to hurl a, a perfecto against a team with the highest winning percentage at the time of the uh, accomplishment. Nineteen perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. Only seven by left-handers. How does Denny McLean, a guy who won 31 ball games in 68, came back the following year and won 20-plus how do you how do you quantify the achievement of just throwing a perfect game
1: listen it's um it's incredible because everything has to be in place. The moon has to be in the right place. The sun has to be in the right place. Your jock strap has got to be just the right <laughs> pressure. I'm telling you, anything upsets you on the mound, it really does. And for him to pull off what he did, you know, listen, this isn't Cy Young. Let's not jump our, jump way ahead of ourselves, but the feat itself is phenomenal. Like you just pointed out, there's only been 19, only 19 in the history of the game and you know, I don't even think there were any real stunning plays made. I, the kid really had good command. The the thing, You know, when you look at a no-hitter, you always think, well, the guy struck out 18 guys, 19. I think he only struck out four or five guys. You know, so, right. I mean... You're right. You're right. So you're not talking about a guy with overpowering I stun- mean, he, he
0: was hitting bats. He was hitting yes. bats. Yes.
1: Yeah, and you know what that's the way the game is supposed to be played not go out there and walk six guys and strike out 16 like we see a lot of that in Detroit again uh, this year but bottom line listen it's a gem it should be applauded it's been applauded I, I hope the Oakland Athletics do a, a good job for him as far as promoting him the rest of the season and I hope he stays healthy because the game needs some fresh lightning right now because some of the older guys have of course have got out of the game and and uh the game just needs a little bit of a spark uh, I I I don't know where the game is today as far as talent. I know the American League seems to be and appears to be a much better league than the National League. I, I suspect it always has been because of the nature of the pitching. But, uh, you know, this kid to throw a perfect game, I had, I had one no-hitter in my entire professional career, and that was the first baseball game I, I'd signed on a Sunday afternoon at Mount Carmel High School, mm-hmm. the great Mount Carmel in Chicago. To a, week, a week later, a week Monday later, in Harlan, Kentucky, where they had hit, sent me to see if I could actually pitch, um, sent me down there. I'm pitching that night. I threw a no hitter. I struck out 16, walked 16, and uh, you know it was a night of horrors. No one ever thought the game was going to end. But you know what? I threw a no hitter. Now the interesting thing is, you can laugh. Let me tell you something else. I come back the next day, the next game, four or five days later with my start, and I throw a one-hitter. I strike out 16 and walk 16 again. <laughs> and I got beat, by the way, one to nothing.
0: You know, uh, hey, going back to, uh, uh, one of our guys on the, uh, uh, on the sexual rap sheet. Okay, we, 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 we have Tiger Woods. When, when Tiger says that, uh, uh, no, his, uh, alleged bulging disc, which you know, who knows? I, I I have a feeling right now, Denny, that despite how well he played in the Masters, that uh, Tiger's game is so badly out of whack right now that yep. he might he might just take the rest of the summer off and just try no. to try to regroup. But I mean, uh, but I mean, that being said, do 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 you believe for a moment, going back to uh, that uh, that that marvelous pre-Christmas night when uh, uh, when lovely Swedish wife Evelyn went out with a two iron and tried to behead Tiger Woods? Do you do you really believe for a moment? that the crash of the Escalade didn't in some way uh, create a problem for Tiger with the neck, because I sure as hell don't.
1: No, I don't either. I think this is simple. He is having his character and his patience tested right now. Who knows what he heard on the golf course? Who knows what he thinks? I think this is the toughest part. Listen, I've had my problems. And I can tell you this, you, if you're going to let it eat your butt, and I think he's letting it eat his butt right now. Every time you look at somebody, you you think to yourself, "Man, what is he saying about me? Should I go talk to him? Should I try mm-hmm. to go make him?" That's a great point. And I think that's what's going on with him right now. Everywhere he looks, people are saying. This is the guy that bed down with 150 women. Not this guy. Why would he do that? He's a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, the whole thing. And that's what I think's going on. I think it's in his head. I think it's totally in his head. Despite the fact, listen, he was three or four under par when he withdrew. But, but here, here, here's what it's all about. Concentration isn't there, my friend. I told you it wasn't going to be there. And I would not be wrong to suggest to you he may never win another tournament.
0: You know, uh, what's interesting is I recall that, uh, the week this transpired, you said very pointedly, Tiger Woods will now not catch Jack Nicholas right. on the all-time list of Majors 1. I remember that just as vividly as if you said it five minutes ago.
1: That's exactly right. And I'll guarantee you somebody else who's, who's, a, is a, excited about him not catching Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas.
0: Oh, ho, ho, You better <laughs> I know believe Jack's it, pal.
1: I know Jack well enough that Jack is still competitive at at 75 or 80 years old and Jack doesn't want anybody catching his records. You know what? And, you know, that, that can be said about a lot of things. Uh, my wife gets upset when somebody starts the season off with winning five or six, seven games and she'll come, she's, is, is, are they gonna win 30 ball games? Well, you know, the greatest thing in the world would be somebody to win 29, 28, 27. You know, you get all that hoop-de-la exposure and all of the other things that go along. Hell, maybe we even get invited to a Tiger game. I never get invited to a Tiger game. and Which brings me up to my friend who just died this past week, Ernie Harwell. Um, and, and I'm gonna, tell you something. First of all, all of the years I knew Ernie, and I knew him for 45 years, folks, never once in his life, in my life, did I ever hear him use the word hell or damn. Never. Never. And I spent a lot of time with Ernie on the road. He and I shared a lot of music together. Ernie was kind of a lyricist.
0: Mm-hmm. He had,
1: he, by the way, he had 2,000 songs copywritten. I don't know if Song anybody knows that. Sir, 2,000, at least 2,000 songs. And he and I, one or two days uh, on a road trip, would get together, and we'd either go down to, you know, the bar, which was closed in the afternoon, and we'd play around with the keys, and he'd fool around with his words and everything else with his lyrics, and we would come up with something. Unfortunately for him, the biggest, the biggest song he ever wrote was Denny McLean. Denny McClain, there'll never be any like Denny McClain. It never was played outside the state of Michigan, but it was played 10 billion times in Michigan. And... Uh, so I spent a lot of time with him, a lot of time. And what really irritates me, may I do a little uh, spousing of the mouth for
0: a Preachifying, if you will.
1: Yeah, I'm going to preachify for just a moment. In 1992 or 3 or 4, whatever year it was when Illich had decided that he was going to have Ernie retire, in parentheses.
0: Yeah, along with uh, Bo Schembechler.
1: Right, and Bo and uh, Illich had decided, well, enough is enough, and that's it, and, and that's it. Uh, we're getting two new guys, and of course they got two bu- buckets in here, for the lack of a better term. But here, here's what really happened. Ernie didn't even know he was retiring. He had no idea until the morning of the press conference when Bo was announcing these two buffoons that came into town. And it's not their fault they were hired. Don't misunderstand me. But here's what happened that morning. When I found out about it, I went crazy. I mean, I went nuts, especially, when, and I know his attorney very well. His attorney has represented me on an occasion once in a while, and he told me the whole truth, what had happened. He says, we didn't even get a phone call. We didn't know about it. Well, all of these superstars that we have in this town, the LK lines, and the Mickey Luliches, and the Kirk Gibsons, and the Alan Trammels, all of these guys, not one of them defended Ernie. Who is the only jerk-off that's out there screaming and hollering and calling Mike Illich a horse's ass for weeks at a time and... Slowly, I didn't realize shooting myself in the foot, but the bottom line is all I did for a month after what they did to poor Ernie. I couldn't believe what they did to Ernie. And not one, and by the way, my, I got a point here and I'm going to make the point here quickly. He was the best. There wasn't anybody. He never said a bad word about anybody. And all of this BS that he took when, when he tried to retire Ernie. And here's where I'm getting to now. They have the big function tonight at Tiger Stadium. Right. And they're honoring Ernie tonight. They, they had, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy that did the, uh, national anthem in 68 there. Um, can't think of his name. Big, uh, uh singer. Um, anyway, he was there. Jose Feliciano. Feliciano. Yeah. Remember when he did that strange. He got
0: booed. He got booed.
1: Yeah. And to this day, it, it was quite a boo, too. And, uh, let me say this to you. All of the things that have been going on here in this town with Ernie the last five or six days, I have yet to receive a phone call, and no one was closer to earning than I was. Nobody. I didn't get one phone call to invite me to the game tonight to go anywhere. Now listen, I may not be entitled, but he was my guy. In fact, I just had lunch with him three or f- about two or three months ago, and I knew that was going to be the last time Sharon and I had ever seen Ernie and Lulu. And uh, unfortunately, it, it wound up being that way. But, you know, the classless Illich organization continues to be a bunch of horses' asses over there who care only about themselves. So tonight, they do the Big Dog and Pony show for the fans, the fans, and the fans, and they try to fool everybody. Don't you be fooled by this Mike Illich, he's the devil.
0: You know, uh, Denny, what was interesting from a reporter's perspective is that uh, I had Ernie Harwell on uh, radio shows in Chicago a number of times over the years, going back to the uh, 70s through the 80s, the 90s, yep. into the uh, 21st century, and he really wasn't a great guest on radio, and I'll tell you why. You you couldn't get Ernie to talk about Ernie. He was such a self-effacing Such a modest guy and he was he was so unwilling to toot the horn of Ernie Harwell. Now, yeah, he'd he'd talk about K Line, he'd talk about Denny McClain, he'd talk about Alan Trammell, he'd talk about Lou Whitaker, but if you if you tried to get him to talk about his approach as a broadcaster, it made Ernie very, very uncomfortable. Unlike a guy like Harry Carey who would talk for three months about you know what made him so special as a broadcaster.
1: One thing about Harry, if you took the word I out of his vocabulary, he'd have been speechless, he'd have been (laughs) been silent. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's one thing about, it. and 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 one other thing about Ernie, the, uh, a couple of things, a couple of events in my life with Ernie. When I had my, when I was suspended in baseball in 1970, Ernie Harwell, the night that I was suspended, came over with his wife, and the and he took us out to dinner just to tell me how much he still liked me, cared for me. He says, people make mistakes. He says, I love you. He says, this too shall pass. Then when I uh, wound up being incarcerated, uh, guess who came and had dinner with us again before all of that poop hit the fan? Ernie and Lulu. And then lastly, uh, when I was away this last time, um, I just got to tell you something. There's only one guy. In my life, that I was anywhere near a baseball fan, a baseball field for years, and that was Ernie Harwell. He's the only one that ever wrote me on a continuous basis. He, I got at least a letter a month from Ernie Harwell, at least. And you know what? That says a lot about a man's character. How he, how he doesn't forget his friends. And, you know, uh, how do you, how do you say thank you? I thanked him a thousand times, but it never quite seemed enough.
0: You know, Denny, it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, Russ Hodges, 50, uh, 51, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, the playoff game, uh, the victory over the Brooklyn Dodgers. Everybody knows the call by Russ Hodges. Every, every three year old, for heaven's sakes has heard the call by Russ Hodges, people forget Ernie Harwell was doing the game on television. That was the one thing Ernie would joke about, and that was nobody bothered nobody. to tape the game. <laughs> nobody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they had no taping ability at all back then. They didn't even think about it. You know, listen, who knew what was going to happen with TV at the time? They knew it had a future, but, God, they never realized we'd get into an instantaneous event every day of our life from now on i mean' it 's unbelievable where technology is gone but i 'll tell you he was a a rare bird, as they say, a gentleman all of the time. A, a broadcaster 99% of the time and God knows he loved Lulu, his, his uh, wife who is still with us.
0: Do you get uh, disgusted as I do today by, uh, so many broadcasters who are employed by the ball club who are very corporatized and they all wear the, uh, they all wear the team logo on the air or they all wear the station logo on the air and I'm thinking about personalities like Brickhouse, like Carey, like Ernie Harwell, like, uh, like Bob Euchre up in Milwaukee, Bob Prince over in Pittsburgh. Marty, you know, Marty Brenneman is the last of it Dying breed over in Cincinnati, a guy who's been doing it his own way with the Reds for uh, you know, my gosh, uh, better than uh, better than thirty five years. Sure. But but today, for the most part, I mean, Denny, you don't you, you don't get broadcasters who you, you really look at as being friends or buddies or part of the family. You know what you get today? You, you get guys who are cranked out on a uh, on a computer.
1: It's a commercial. They are an ongoing nine inning commercial, and, and even our guys here in Detroit. Who, who? You know, listen. We got Jimmy Price. He can't speak four words without stumbling over himself. So, you know, he tries. God knows he's tried. The poor guy has no command of the English language. He should try Polish or something. But uh, he, uh um, he became. The point I'm trying to make here is that it's good to be a Homer, but you also have to have the ability to say, "Oh man, what he blew it. He did this. He did that." And he never. These guys don't do that anymore. It's always kiss the ass, kiss the ass, and kiss more ass. And that's what's wrong with these broadcasters today. All they are really, and maybe you know, the money they pay them, maybe they have to be. They are a ticket selling arm of every major league organization. You
0: know that's why. That's why I really admired Bob Brunley, the uh, the former yeah, sure. backs manager, wins a World Series for Colangelo out in Arizona, now with the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs are playing the Reds the other day. And uh, Joey Votto comes up in the 7th uh, or 8th inning. Uh, Pinnell has got uh, Sean Marshall warming up in the bullpen. Uh, Dempster, of course, a right-hander. Votto swinging from the left side. Lou goes lumbering out to the mound and doesn't make the most logical change in the world, which is to go to Marshall. And Brenly has, has the cahoons to say, you know what, Len, referring to Len Casper's partner, I really don't buy this decision. About 10 seconds later, Denny, the ball's almost in the freaking Ohio River.
1: (laughs) But that's the way it was. That's the way it is. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Now, listen, there's one more story we have to report. I think Dwayne Wade is looking like a putz at this point in time.
0: No, No worse than his wife. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I know that but but you know what there's got to be a better way to handle a divorce than having your wife arrested i mean I, I mean, you know what? Uh, I understand that they can be a little acrimonious and a little tough and a little bit of screaming and hollering, but for this to happen because she doesn't show up for a hearing, uh you know, come on, I mean she's the mother of your children, and th- doesn't she get a little bit of credit for being the mother of the children? I mean, this is so totally wrong. Did you think
0: any NBA basketball player has ever actually said, sat back and said, "Gee, you know what? I'm really proud that my wife gave me beautiful children." No. <laughs> do you really, do you really no. think that's ever happened in the in no, the, I, I, in the, in the, the know, history of basketball, for heaven's sakes?
1: Let me ask you a question: <laughs> Isn't it, or is it not, a a hoodlum's game today?
0: Oh. <laughs> The, the, the whole thing is based on thug mentality. It's based on street cred, for God's sakes. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, Le, 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 LeBron James earlier this year, Denny, against the Bulls. Uh, Cleveland just knocking the living hell out, out of the Bulls. And and LeBron James is is hip-hop dancing on the sidelines. Oh, I and I'm know. thinking to myself, you, you you try a stunt like that with uh, Jordan back in the 80s. You try that with Larry Bird. You try that with Kevin McHale, Magic Johnson, guys like that, James Worthy. You know what? Win, lose, or annihilated... They would try to whip your lungs out.
1: Absolutely, they would. They would hurt you. And you know what? The league has allowed it. The league has promoted it. He, I'll tell you one thing, and you know this yourself. He came along at exactly the right time because the league was suffering. Jordan had retired. Some of the bigger stars had had decided to go off. The bottom line was they needed a guy, and here came LeBron. And boy, you talk about picking up a league. He has picked it up, and, and listen. What else can you say about Cleveland? And I, and I don't think he's ever going to leave Cleveland. Do you?
0: No, I really don't. Uh uh-uh. uh he's, he's locked crazy. in. He's, he's an Akron kid. He's, he's got all his all his homies there. I think you know he might he might think to himself every time he goes to Manhattan. You know what? It'd be fun to go to Manhattan and hang out with Jay Z and hang out with the rappers or go to the West Coast or whatever. But in his heart of hearts, he's going to he's going to stay in Cleveland.
1: But I'll tell you this: he will if he goes anywhere. He's going to go to New York or Chicago or L.A., and I will tell you this. He will implode in any of those cities. He will not be able to handle a New York seven days a week. He won't be able to handle oh, a that's, that Oh,
0: that's well said. Really or well in LA. said.
1: There is no way that he can handle a major, major, major league city. He's at home. He needs to keep his ass at home and be the star that he is right where he is.
0: He is Denny McClain like nobody else. I'm Chet Kopik. We thank our great friends, most notably our good friend John Coyne, all the marvelous people at American Taxi. Remember you people in the suburbs, American Taxi is always the way you want to go for comfort, for price, and for courteous drivers. For Danny McLean, I'm Chet Kopik. This has been Two Angry Men. We'll catch you next time. So good long, night, everybody.
1: everybody.